God from Genesis to Revelations. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. I can do all things through Christ, the anointed one and his anointing that strengthens me. All right, turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 3, and then we're going to be reading from 2 Corinthians 5 and 7. So when you have Hebrews 11 and 1, shout, I have it. I have it. Praise the Lord. Now, what I try to do when people are preaching, whether it's a KBC minister or somebody teaching Sunday school, um, when they're preaching or if our young people get up to do a review, I try to like, let them know I'm with them. Uh, praise the Lord. All right, Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, faith, the elders receive a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen uh, were not made of things which do appear. I want to read 2 Corinthians 5 and 7. It says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. The message Bible says it like this. It's what we trust in but don't yet see that keeps us going. The Voice Bible says the path we walk is charted by faith, not by what we see with our eyes. The Living Bible says we know these things are true by believing, not by seeing. So, of course, we walk by faith and not by sight. I want to use for a topic and a reoccurring theme, something out of nothing. Everybody shout something out of nothing. My objective is to remind you that God is moving behind the scenes in your life, that God is making arrangements for you, God is orchestrating events. He's pulling it all together like a master orchestrator, all right? And he's providentially working things out on your behalf. And I want to encourage you to tap into the spiritual realm because the spirit realm will affect the natural realm. There's a song that says, you changed my whole life. You made my wrongs right. And for the rest of my life, I'll never know why you made something out of nothing. You made something out of nothing. When we look at the word something, something means a thing that is unspecified or unknown, not being exact. How many of you know we have all have areas in our lives where we exceed and abound, but then there's other areas that we need a miracle in. Yeah. Is there areas in your life that you need God to move in? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Got the right crowd. So we're talking about God making something out of nothing, and nothing means not anything, no thing, not at all, in no degree, something that does not exist. It's the absence of, it's nothingness, non-existent, Never, no, none, no way, no why, zero, nada, not anything. So I want to encourage you that something is happening when it looks like nothing is seen. And some people feel like they're in the nothing stage. Peter felt like he was in the nothing stage. He said, Lord, I've been toiling. I've been struggling. I've been working. I've been toiling all night long. And I didn't catch nothing. But how many of you know God can 
intervene, God stepped in and he ended up with a boatload of fish. He ended up with too much. Isn't that just like God? So um, some people feel like they're in a nothing stage. Some people may feel like they're in a little stage. But how many of you know little becomes much when you put it in the master's hand? Jesus supernaturally multiplied a little boy's lunch of two fish and five loaves of bread. And what did he do? Not only did he feed 5,000 men, but he fed women and children. Some people say up to 20,000. And then, if that wasn't enough, he let them eat to the full. Y'all know we love them scriptures by eating to the full. Not only did he let them eat to the full, but they had 12 baskets left over. What did he do? He gave them too much. So I want to tell you that God uses the little and despise not the day of the little or the day of small things. Y'all remember the widow was down to her last. She was going to eat her last cake and die. And the prophet said, make me one first. And because she obeyed with her little, she ate three years. And her, her barrel of oil never ran dry. Her meal barrel never ran dry for three years off of a little. There was a widow that said, I don't have nothing. She said, prophet, you know my husband served you? Now they about to take take everything I got. They about to take my sons. And um, the prophet said, what do you have in your house? She said, I ain't got nothing in my house. And she said, wait a minute, I got a little bit of oil. And God gave her a plan. God gave her a vision. God gave her a word. He told her to keep pouring the oil. To borrow the vessels from her neighbors. And guess what? That widow went into the oil business. She supernaturally paid off all her debts. God gave her debt cancellation. And she was able to live debt free. A no need lifestyle for the rest of her life. Now, if I was y'all, I'd be when I say something that you will believe in God for, just grab it out there. There was a little shepherd boy. All right, and God took what others considered nothing. His father didn't even invite him to see the prophet. But God made him something. God made him a king. And through his lineage came the king of kings, Jesus Christ. So I came to tell you that something great came from nothing. And God can make something out of nothing. But God wants us to give him something to work with. So God wants to bring us from nothing, from little, from just enough, from, excuse me, from not enough to just enough. And then this is for me. What about you? More than enough. So Genesis 1 and 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. God made something out of nothing. Everybody shout, ex nihilo. X-N-I-H-I-L-O means to make something out of nothing. And we know God is the only one who can make something out of nothing. All right, I want to remind you that the invisible realm is bigger and more real than the physical realm. The Bible says in Genesis 1 and 2, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. So the earth was without form. It was void. There was darkness. There was confusion. There was chaos. There was disorder. And God wanted order. Nothing was happening, but God wanted order. God wanted light. 
So I want to talk today about how to create something out of nothing. Everybody say how to create something out of nothing. So I'm going to do a quick review of the first four points that I made this morning and then I have 50 more points to go. It's a joke. It's just a joke. All right. But I could go over 50, but no. All right, so number one, we said think it. Everybody shout think it. Think it. How many of you know God had a plan for the earth? And we need to have a plan for our lives. God created everything first in the spirit realm. In Genesis, the first chapter, God created all of mankind. That's me and you. We're his oldest dirt. In the spirit. Okay. And so, and then in chapter two, God made man in the physical. But we started in the spiritual first, so that means we exist in two dimensions. God created everything twice. First he created it spiritually, then he created it physically. All right? We uh, create, we're not, we don't ex know, but we're, God is a creator, we are creative. We create in our mind first, and the invisible, then the physical manifests. So God formed man from the dust, Man was nothing. He was lifeless. He was void. And then God breathed into man the breath of life. And he became a living soul. He became animated. God took nothing and made it something. So first you have to think it. Number two, you have to believe it. Or you have to believe it to receive it. So even if you don't have any sense real evidence, you have to stand on the word of God. So our example, our father Abraham... He had no sense rim evidence, but yet he staggered not at the promises of God. Even though he was past childbearing age, um, his unction had stopped functioning. Sarah, she was way beyond uh, childbearing age. Years had gone by, but he, 25 years had gone by, but he staggered not at the promises of God. He was strong in faith like you. Praise God. So, um, we know that we believe God because John 15 and 5 says, for without me you can do nothing. So we know that we can do nothing but with God on our side. Uh -huh. Philippians 4 and 13, which is our mantra, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Yeah. And um, I said this this morning, I want to say it again. There's no statute of limitations on the word of God. There's no statute of limitations on prophecy. I don't care how long you had the prophecy. There's no statute of limitations on the promises of God. So if you didn't receive it last year, I mean, you know, this year is another year. And I hear people say foolish things like, I don't want no more prophecies until the ones that I have come to pass. That's a very foolish statement because the Bible says the, uh, Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. The Bible is a book of prophecy. So just because it doesn't come in your on your timeline doesn't mean that the word of God is of none effect. So there's no statute of limitations on prophecy. God is fulfilling some things for me that I was believing for when I was a teenager. And even though it was just a couple few short years ago, and it happened so oh, crazy. So faith is another type of sight. We don't see it, but we believe it. So we have to, number one, we have to think it. Number two, we have to believe it. And then number three, we have to say it. Everybody shall say it. Say. So God created his world with his words. 
and we create our world with our words. We are speaking beings. And when God cre uh, created Adam, one of his jobs was to name the animals. And God told Adam, whatever you call it, that's what it's going to be. Uh -huh. And guess who you are? You're Adam. Yeah. And Adam, whatever you call it, that's what it's going to be. Yeah. All right, so Genesis 1 and 2 says, And the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there it was, was light. light. So all things are created twice. We were created twice. The invisible controls the visible. The invisible is bigger. The unseen is greater. Just like an attitude is invisible, but you can see the outward results. So either you're going to be a magnet or repellent. Either you're speaking blessings and drawing blessings to you, or you're repelling them away by the words that you're speaking. Praise God. So um, Romans 14 and 7b says, call those things that be not as though they were. How many of you know in the sin in the in the uh, natural realm, we want to call it like it is. We want to say what it is. But no, when we tap into the spirit realm, we call those things that be not as though they were. This building here, the building that we're sitting in, this building was first a thought in Pastor White's mind. Pastor White designed this building. He already knew before we met with an architect that he wanted a multi-purpose building. He wanted classrooms. He already knew what he wanted. And then the architect came in and the architect began to draw it up. But it started in the mind first. Then it became brick and mortar. Uh, we are physical and we're spiritual. When we die, only the physical man dies. Our soul, our spirit, our personality, the real you is going to live on. The invisible is durable. The physical is corruptible. Uh, the Bible says that the dead in Christ is going to rise first. So it's like planting a seed. And God wants us to speak creative words like him. So God wants us to quote it, to quote the word. All right, we got to quote it over and over again. We got to say it, right? The raw material that God used to build the world was his words, all right? The world was framed by the word of God. So we have to confess it over and over and over again. So we see where God said, uh, where, where it says, God said, and God said, and God said, God said, it says God said 10 times in Genesis, the first chapter. So we got to keep saying, uh, by his stripes I'm healed. The seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Wealth and riches are in my house. You might not even own a house, but you confess wealth and riches are in my house. And you keep saying it until you see it. So you got to say it every day. You got to say it throughout the day. You got to say I win every day. I'm winning in my marriage. I'm winning in my family. I'm winning in my body. I'm winning in my finances. I win, I win, I win. I win, I win, I win. Oh, praise So number one, you got to think it. Number two, you got to Number three, you got to Then number four, you got to see it. You got to get a vision for your life. All right, you got to have a vision, a dream, or a goal. You need a short-term goal, and then you need long-term goals. All right, a short-term goal might be something that's challenging, but it's something within reach if you have a little, have a little bit of discipline. But then you need a long-term goal. You need a vision that's bigger than you. 
You need a vision that only God can do. Yeah. It's bigger than you. It's beyond you. It's beyond your finances. It's beyond your support. But uh, we know it's not too big for God. So you need to get a short-term goal, and you need to have a long-term goal. Your dreams today will become your realities tomorrow. And we see after it says, and God said, and God said, and God said, then Genesis 1 says, and God saw. Uh -huh. What did he see? He saw what he kept on saying as an example to us. So you got to see it if you want to be. Somebody shout, you got to see it. You got to see it. If you want to be it. Want to be it. So God gave us our five senses to operate in this realm, but we have spiritual senses that helps us to operate in the invisible realm. So yes, we have natural eyes, but we also have spiritual eyes. So God wants us to have 20-20 vision in the spirit because some people are only limited by their five senses. If they can't see it, they're not going to believe it. So God wants us to have 20-20 vision in the spirit, and then we have natural ears, but we need to have spiritual ears, uh -huh. where we can hear what the spirit is saying to the church, yeah. where we can hear that small, still, directed voice of God. And then we have um, a natural tongue, but we need to have a spiritual tongue, where we're speaking the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then we have a a natural nose, but God wants us to have spiritual discernment. Uh -huh. So God wants us to move beyond the five senses, which is carnal and natural and has limitations, but the supernatural has no limitations. We know that God is invisible, according to Colossians 1 and 15, and all things were created uh, that are in heaven and that are in earth. God created both the visible and the invisible. We talked about the fact that there's many invisible things. There's atoms, oxygen, germs, radio waves, uh, signals, bacteria, and we dealt with the invisible enemy. Yeah. With the plague, with the pandemic, with the coronavirus, and the word corona means crown. Uh -huh. But how many of you know we dethrone it? Uh -huh. And we bind it in Jesus' name. Yeah. And Jesus told Thomas, because you see me resurrected, but he goes on to say, blessed are they which have not seen and yet believe. Yeah. So how many of you know we walk by faith? And walk means to live. It means a lifestyle. Uh -huh. All right? We're not limited by our five senses. Yeah. And I, I talked this morning about Elijah, how it hadn't rained for three years, and Elijah shows up on the scene. Yeah. And Elijah says, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Uh -huh. It wasn't nothing but dirt and dry. Uh -huh. Nothing was going on. But he said, I hear it. Uh -huh. He wasn't talking about his natural ear. He was hearing with his inner ear, uh -huh. with his spiritual ear. He was seeing in his spiritual ear. And he told King, King Ahab, you better hurry up and get back to town because it's about to pour down rain. Yeah. So what is he doing? He's seeing it. Yeah. He's hearing it. He's speaking it before it happened. Uh -huh. And um, he tells his servant to go look to see if he sees any evidence. Uh -huh. And the servant comes and says, it's as dry as it was for the last three years. Yeah. There's nothing going on. He said, go back and look again. Yeah, yeah. He comes back, I don't see nothing. Go back and look again. Uh -huh. He comes back, he says, I don't see nothing. He says, go look again. And I want to tell you to let take another look at your situation. Uh -huh. 
but this time look through the eyes of faith and see the abundance of rain. So this goes on for seven times, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times, amen, and finally he sees a little bit of evidence. And I came to tell you that God is calling you out of a drought, God is calling you out of a dry place, and something is happening when it seems like nothing is happening. When he went back seven times, he was persistent, he persevered, and he saw what he said. He said, well, I just... First, it was not, not just a little. Yeah, yeah. It's the size of a, a man's hand. Yeah, yeah. Praise God. And he began to tell the king, he said, you better hurry up and get out of town because it's about to pour down rain. Ah. And I came to prophesy to you that God is raining on your field. It's about to pour down rain. In areas where there was drought, in areas where there was lack, in areas where there was shortage, it's about to pour down rain. Come on, you better take out your umbrella. You better get ready. You better roll up your car windows because your time of drought is over. It's about to rain in your home. It's about to rain on your family. It's about to rain in your marriage. It's about to rain on your children. It's about to rain in your finances. You better get ready because the drought is over. And then he tells him, he said, you better go to town because you're going to get caught in the, in the overflow. And the Bible talks about a great storm came. And while the king Ahab was riding in the chariot, supernatural power of God came on Elijah. And Elijah took off running. And the Bible says he outran the horses. He outran the chariot. And he beat them into the town. God's about to accelerate some things for you. Where you've been weak and tired and barely making it, laying in the bed, can't get up, can't get nothing done. God is about to give you a burst of energy. I remember when I was pregnant, I was nine months, I was so tired, I couldn't get nothing done. I needed to pack my bag for the hospital. I need to get my stuff done. I told Pastor White, we were having Jonathan, I said, we need to paint the baby room. I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. He was working. I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. Something hit me about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. I sat up in that bed. And I went through that house like a hurricane. I got that bucket of paint. And when Pastor, woke, Pastor White woke up, he wasn't a pastor. I had painted the whole room. He was like, what happened to you? What's going on? God's about to give you a burst of energy. Because you're about to bring forth. So first you gotta think it, then you gotta believe it, and then you have to say it, then you gotta see it, and then next you gotta plant it. It's time to plant it. It's time for you to plant something. Praise God, it's time for you to plant it. I came to tell you that Pastor White is a farmer, and he's trying to grow the kingdom of God. I came to tell you that every parent is a farmer. We're trying to grow our family. I came to tell you that you are a farmer. And it's time for you to produce something. It's time for you to grow something. Praise God. Somebody shout, I'm a farmer. Somebody shout, I'm an architect. It's time for you to see something. It's time for you to build something. Come on, you're an entrepreneur. Come on, God wants you to be a business owner. Come on, and then God told me when I was thinking about things we can plant, I thought about the scripture that says, um, plant his glory. God wants you to be a worshiper. 
He wants you to create glory. My God, when they see you come, the glory of God is coming with you. When you walk in, the atmosphere is going to change. Praise the Lord. And then my next point is you got to fertilize it. Come on, you got to water. I came to tell you that your life is fertilized by the trials you go through. It's fertilized when you walk through the valley in the shadow of death. It's fertilized through tribulation. David says, it's in my affliction that I learned the statutes of God. I may learn to pray then. Oh, praise God. We got to trust God when we go through some stinking things. We got to pull out the weeds. We got to fertilize our faith. We got to shake off disappointment. We got to shake off self-pity. We got to shake off the past. I came to tell you that your best days are not yesterday. Your best days are not behind you, but your best days are ahead of you. The best is yet to come, but you got to fertilize it. My next point is you got to grow it. Everybody shout grow it. You were born to grow. God created you to grow. You grew from an embryo to a grown man or to a grown woman. Uh -huh. And God wants you to continue to grow. Thank God I let arms stop growing. Thank God for some of us we stop growing tall. Uh -huh. Oh well, I'm going to change the subject. Praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. But we are to grow in our character. We are to grow in the spirit. We are to develop in the things of God. We are to move from being babes in Christ to being seasoned veterans in the things of God. We need to grow from milk and pacifiers. Oh, you all right, baby? No, I don't want no baby food. Come on, I want a steak with some crab. Oh, praise the Lord. Inside Adam was 7.6 billion people. Adam was created to grow. And you were created for growth. God don't want to find you in the same place year after year. Come on, God wants you to grow something. You got a business, grow your business and hire some employees. Come on, you got to grow your relationships. God wants us to grow. He don't want us to be stagnant. Well, I'm doing the best I can. Do you mean to tell me it ain't going to get no better than this for the next 50 years? Yeah. I want to grow as a wife. Yeah. I want to grow as a mother. I want to grow as a minister. I want to grow as a child of God. I want to grow in the things of God. Time out for being stubborn, for being stuck, for being hard-headed, for being stagnant. I don't know about you, but I want to it's time to grow up. Turn and tell your neighbors, time to grow up. Time, time to grow up. up. The stuff time that used to, to trip you up shouldn't be tripping you up no more. You used to cry about people talking about you. You should be delivered from that now. Mm -hmm. You ever seen somebody yep. too old to be doing what they're doing? You are too old to be throwing a temper tantrum. You're too old. At a certain age, you're too old to be sucking a pacifier. We was in the store one time. I saw this big old child with a set of teeth sucking a pacifier. I told Pastor White I wish I could go over there and pull that pacifier. Some people stay on the bottle too long. You got a full set of choppers. Bite the nipple off the bottle. Oh. We gonna grow. 
But when the devil rears his ugly head, oh, not today, devil. Oh, no. And uh, that's why I was talking about this Wednesday. Don't let a baby demon harass you. You got a baby demon. He can't even walk. What Pastor White said, he said, I got him again. I got him again. A little baby demon. They don't even have to call him. Y'all remember when I had that vision? Don't let the devil infiltrate your camp. Right. The Lord was showing me the different things, and the Lord showed me the spirit realm of demons. And this little demon came up to mess with my mind. He said, Oh, no, not you. And a great big old. Don't let small things trip you up. I mean, you know, we can't let the enemy torment us and harass us when the Bible says, Bind it. He said, you got the power to bind it up. Don't receive it. Return it to, to sender. Uh -huh. So negative thoughts, negative talk, self-sabotaging behavior. I mean, you know, we want to get rid of it. Because wrong thinking, wrong visions, and negative pictures are going to hinder our faith. So instead of having a perpetual, pessimistic outlook on life with negative thoughts and negative talk, you have to bind it up. Proverbs 18 and 21 says death and life are in the power of the tongue. So we can either talk death or talk life. How many of us talk in life? So you got to recognize when you're engaging in negative self-talk, which is habit forming. It's habit forming to complain. You can tell where a person is when they open their mouth. How you doing? Well. So you don't have to force things to happen. You don't owe anybody an explanation. You don't have to prove nothing to nobody. Come on, but you got to fight off negativity and put on the helmet of salvation. A lot of Christians don't wear the helmet of salvation. They let the devil tell them what they're not going to have, what they're not going to be. But Proverbs 4 and 23 says, guard your heart. Psalms 34 and 13 says, guard your tongue. Psalms 57 and 1 in the Message Bible, it says, may your mercy come to me, O God, for my soul is safe within you. You're the guardian of my life. I will seek protection in the shade of your wings until the destruction has passed. And then the Bible tells us, be anxious for nothing. Come on, a lot of us, we're anxious over nothing. All right, so he says, don't be anxious for no thing. And then he says, I'll let nothing separate me from the love of God. So God commands us not to be anxious. Don't freak out when things happen because in the end, it's going to be nothing. Praise God. And then uh, Paul tells us to set a guard over our spirit. And I can imagine Paul sitting in the prison cell watching the guards change. And then he said, you need to guard your mind. You need to set a guard over your heart. Praise God. So he says in Philippians 4 and 7 in the Amplified, in the peace of God, that peace which assures the heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace which stands guard over your hearts and over your minds by Christ Jesus is yours. So um, God um, is speaking opportunities. God has given us wisdom. And God has given us favor. And um, when Pastor White and I were getting ready to South Carolina, the pastor, uh, prophet, put us shoulder by shoulder, and he told us, don't let a splinter come in between. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And when I was praying about this message um, last week, because uh, I was supposed to speak on last week, when I was praying about this message, the Holy Spirit told me, said, God said, don't let a splinter come between you and him. Don't let nothing come between your relationship with God. So we want to cast our cares upon God. And um, the Lord gives me a prophetic gesture. Sometimes when I'm praying for people, I can see burdens and weights on their shoulders. And the Lord told me to tell you that when you buy it, brush it off. Don't be used to do it. He said, brush it off. When the enemy try to put something on your shoulder, try to put weights and burdens, I see somebody tipping, tapping into the prophetic. Do the prophetic gesture. Yeah. Come on, wipe your cares yeah. off your shoulders. Wow. I do this every day. While I'm praying, I'm casting it out. Yeah. All right, when you brush one's shoulders, that means you're brushing off the negative energy of the statements that have been made about you. Praise God. Come on, somebody brush it off. When you brush it off, you're binding it up. Yeah. The devil tells you what you're not going to have is not them off your God. And then my next point is you got to write it. Somebody shout write. Right. God writes it. God wrote the Bible. Uh -huh. And then God wrote a book about you. Psalms 139 and 16. God wrote the book of, call out your name. There's a book of sin. Say your name, the book of. The book of William. God wrote a book about you. All those that's watching online, God wrote a book about you. Psalms 139 and 16 says all of my members were written which in continents were fashioned when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts of me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Habakkuk 2 and 12 says, and the Lord said unto me, write the vision, make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. God wants us to write it down so we can remember it. Yeah. So when we see it, that's one level of remembrance. When we say it, but then God wants us to write it. Then we can go back and read it. Number 10, first you got to think it. Then you got to believe it. Then you got to say it. Then you have to see it. Then you need to plan it. Then you need to bind it. Then you need to write it. And then now you need to paint it. You need to snap a picture. You need to download a picture where you can keep looking at where you want, uh, where God wants you to be. You want to put it on your refrigerator. You want to save it on your screensaver. You want to put it on your bathroom mirror, what you're believing God for. So you want to take a snapshot of what you want God to do for you so you can keep it in front of you. Keep it in the forefront of your mind. So that you're confessing it every day. So you want to let it make an imprint in your spirit. You know how it is when you want to get a car and you decide what model you want and everywhere you go you see that car. Everywhere you go you see that car. And you never noticed that car before. Then all of a sudden, I just saw somebody get the keys to a Lexus. And when you see that car, you think of the car. There it goes, there it goes. It's not like the cars all of a sudden appeared. They were already there, but you didn't recognize it until it got in your radar, until it got in your spirit. And I looked it up. Go get your stuff. It's actually called the Vader Mind Off Phenomenon. 
frequency illusions. And the psychology behind seeing your car, it said the numbers of cars didn't increase. In the past, your brain ignored it. And I came to tell you that your brain might be ignoring some of the blessings that God has in store for you. So you gotta let it put an imprint in your spirit. And once you make a decision, and you believe in your spirit, you can have it, then your brain makes the adjustments and it has, it takes note of that car. And it alerts you, your brain said, alert, 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 here's your dream car, alert, alert. And then you can identify, this is what the Lord told me, you can use that same thing in other areas. You believe in God for a house? You believe in, what do you believe in God for? You believe in God for a business? Give it a name and call it. Give it a name. Take a picture of something. And then call it forth and your brain will recognize it. And you won't be able to ignore it when you see it. And God will open up opportunities for you. So we have to be persistent. We have to persevere. In Genesis the 29th and the 30th chapter, Jacob didn't have anything to show for working for Laban for over 14 years. Uh -huh. Can you imagine working without a salary for 14 years? And God said, um, I want you to examine the flocks. And he said, tell Laban that you're going to take all the speckle and the spotty uh -huh. um, flock. Yeah, yeah. And Laban said, this is the biggest fool I've ever seen in my life. Sure, you got a deal, son. <laughs> and he began to visualize. Yeah. He began to get a mental picture. And he saw in his mind, he pulled the tree bark because they didn't have iPhones and uh, iPhones back in those days. I feel a tomato spirit. Praise the Lord. But uh, he, he began to visualize what he wanted God to do. And do you know every, all of the cattle that made it was speckled and striped and spotted? Yeah. And Laban said, oh no, oh no. Try to trick the trick, you try to play the player. So, oh no, we're gonna do it in reverse. And he imagined it in reverse, and the Bible said he left out of there loaded. He was wealthy, praise the Lord. He went from having nothing to having everything. God told Abraham, Look at the stars, and I want you to count them. I want you to see a face on every star. He saw your face. He said, I want you to look at the the, the grains of sand, sand from the sea. Can you, can you count it? Abraham said, I can't count it. It's, you know, gave me an anointing of too much. It's too much. It's more than I can count. I can't even count that high. And I want to remind you that God is a God of all numbers. God know your banking account. You know what you got, what you don't got. God know your medical numbers. God know your weight. God said, tell them I'm the God of all numbers. And tell them I know the hair that's on their head. The ones they bought and the ones they <laughs> Tell your neighbor, your picture today Damn. will be your reality tomorrow. It will be your reality tomorrow. All right, now I need y'all to get some more pictures this week. I need you to go get some more pictures this week. Get some pictures. I want you to call it forth in the name of Jesus. And my next point is you got to pray. We pray to the Father in Jesus' name. I mean, you know, prayer is a weapon. Prayer gives us access to God. 
said, come boldly before the throne of grace and don't let anything, don't let nothing hinder your time in prayer. But you must have a set appointed time with God. Yep. I don't care if you got to get out the bed early. I don't care if you have to turn off the radio and pray all the way to work. I don't care if you have to speak in tongues as you sure walk. Lord, oh, you got to pray. And don't let anything or anybody interrupt your prayer time with God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give birth to multiples. You're birthing twins. You're giving birth. 
because you're carrying something big. Yeah. Yeah. I looked up the different gestation periods. Do you know a rat gives birth every 21 days? We buy that in the name of Jesus. Cats and dogs give birth every two months. And they give birth to multiple litters at a time. Birds give birth every two weeks. But it takes a giraffe or a whale a year and a half to give, give birth. But check this out. An elephant, it takes them two years. An elephant is pregnant for two years. Now, I'm not trying to call nobody an elephant. I'm just using the analogy that some things it takes me and you longer to give birth to because you're getting birth to something big. God's going to let you bring forth something big. You're getting birth, giving birth to something that's bigger than you. You've been waiting for God to bring you a husband. And you got no sense, real evidence. Ain't nobody asking you out on no date. You ain't going out to dinner. Nobody calling you, liking your post, nothing. Look like nothing is happening. I remember when the Lord told me when I was a teenager, he said, Cindy, you're not going to have to date because at the time you need a husband, a husband is going to be there. Now, I tell this testimony all the time because I'm hoping our young people will stop all this dating. That's why I'm telling this testimony. Because I don't want you to get your heart broke five times. You can't trust nobody. You know, you get rejected, you get offended, and then you don't have the maturity level to carry a long-term relationship. Mm -hmm. So I'm praying that you get stronger in the Lord. Oh, but praise the Lord. So the Lord said at the time you need a husband, he's gonna be there. So I wasn't dating nobody. I wasn't, I told one of the young people in vacation Bible school, I said, ain't nobody gonna be caught up in this vacation Bible school but me and Pastor White. We the only ones that go, praise the Lord. And it was like, what do courting mean? I said, oh, that's old school, but like dating and you like them. Oh, praise the So I went from no sense realm evidence to, I looked up, I was engaged. You ain't got to date 50 people. You ain't got to date 100 people. You ain't got to be up all night on the phone talking about stuff you ain't got no right. Texts and stuff, you ain't got to praise the Lord. So you don't have to make it happen. You don't have to prove to people that you're not gay. You don't have to make it happen. Just like God said it, he's going to work it out. And then I'm coming to my last point. Can you believe it? I'm at the 50th point. I'm at the end. My last point is you got to put a praise on it. No, you better put a praise in your mouth. Come on, you better open.
devil gotta flee. My praise denotes that I trust God. And then I gotta shift in my praise. Somebody shout shift in your praise. I'm going from Toda. When I come in, I'm half mass. I'm setting my will to bless the Lord. Toda is a real praise. Hallelujah. I'm taking control. Then I'm going to Yada. I'm going up a little bit higher. Then I'm moving to Halal. I'm celebrating God. Then I got Zamar. I got the musicians with me. Then I got Shabbat. I'm giving God a loud praise. Come on. Then I tap into Barak. That's when my spirit is quiet. I'm, I'm resting. I'm listening to hear from God. God is talking now while I'm in a worshipful uh, position. I'm soaking in the presence of God. And then the last level is Tahilah. I'm singing a praise. I'm singing the song of the Lord. I'm celebrating. I'm worshiping. I'm rejoicing because it's already done. And I came to tell you to praise God in advance. God said, I'm going to be releasing overnight miracles. You're going to go to bed one way. You're going to wake up another. You're going to go to bed bound. You're going to wake up free. You're going to go to bed
I saw when night terrors were harassing the people of God, spirits of anxiety and worry, sleeplessness and insomnia, and I saw people grieving in the night season, grieving over loved ones, having regret and disappointment and shame. Praise God. And I saw some dealing with demonic attacks where the hank was attacking them at night and spirits of lust, incubus and succubus. But we plead the blood of Jesus. And God said people in the night season are crying over lost relationships and they're crying over lost opportunities. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And God said uh, while they're sleeping uh, uh, over their enemy, over offense, he said their enemy with their disobedience self, they resting good. Just like Jonah, when he was disobedient, he was just down there, just sleeping good. But the devil is a liar. God said, I'm going to give you sweet sleep. I'm going to give you good rest. You're going to be able to relax. You're going to be able to sleep good. And the Lord said, I'm going to cause you to sleep like a baby. Because I give my beloved sleep. Y'all know how babies sleep. We all over the bed. God said, you're going to rest peaceful at night. And God said, I'm giving rest to your spirit. And as your spirit becomes restful, you're going to have rest in your body. And I heard the Lord said, I'm releasing miracle moments. God said, all you need is a miracle moment. One miracle moment is going to change your life. The Lord said, I'm releasing miracle moments. And the Lord told me to call in and to pray over contracts. I heard God said, he's releasing contracts to the people of God. I see business contracts. I see house contracts. I see wedding contracts. Come on. I, I, God told me to just call out paperwork. I'm praying over paperwork. We declare paperwork. We declare contracts and clients and, and deal, real estate deals. We call it forth in the name of Jesus. We speak the word over contracts for the people of God and we declare that it is so. And the Lord told me to tell you that you're going to end well. That you're going to end well. And you're moving from being limited to being limitless because God is creating something out of nothing. And God is unlocking heaven's windows. And you're going to be flowing with multiple streams of income. You're going to have too many job offers. You're going to have too many contracts. You're going to have too much fish. It's going to be too much like it was for the four lepers. This is your time of overflow. And you're moving from man of just enough to a place of manifestation. God is bringing you to the promised place. Praise the Lord. And, I, and God said, this is your time for overflow. This is your time for muchness. This is your time for too much. Come on, let's give God a glory. Glory, hallelujah. God can make something out of nothing. God is creating something out of nothing. God is going to cause every area of your life flourish in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. I want to open up the altar for prayer. We're going to pray in our seats, but I want to make the appeal. If you're here today and you want to receive Jesus Christ into your heart as your Lord and Savior, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you and pray with you. And you can leave here today with all of your needs met. If you know you need to get closer to God and you want to rededicate your life to the Lord,